We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, and sadly, we are talking about a Nets loss, 106-119. How are you feeling? It's the Brooklyn Bridges podcast today, Nick. Try to say that a couple of times. It's a tongue twister. Yeah, I mean, it's just a complete flip of what we saw last night against Miami and to just be, you know, a few hours away in Orlando and the Nets just completely fall flat in this one. We're going to jump with that in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, outside of Mikhail Bridges, what went wrong? <laughs> Everything. Uh, it was really that simple. I mean, the team just lacked that energy and juice and that level of engagement and focus that we saw in that second half against Miami. You know, we talked about the execution in that game and what they did defensively, you know, defensively in this game going against not, uh, I mean, talent level offensively, obviously a tier down, but still they have some talent. Some guys were knocking down shots, but a lot of that was the Nets making them comfortable. You know, it never felt like Orlando was getting disrupted in this game and the Nets offensively, we're just very cold, you know, eight of 35 from three, 22 percent, 37 of 91 from the field. Just guys were bad. You know, just a lot of guys could not hit their shots, Specific, uh, specifically looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, 0 of 11 from the field, 0 of 6 from three. Dorian Finney-Smith, 1 of 7 from the field, 0 of 4 from three. Other than Mikel Bridges, no one shot well or really played well in this game. Yeah, this is a stat that is pretty shocking, Nick. It's two of 26 from three outside of Mikhail Bridges tonight from the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that's, 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 it doesn't even sound like it makes sense. I, I think that there was a, a, I don't know how to sort of, I mean, maybe they had that. too much fun in Miami last night. I mean, uh, that's a thing that we know does happen, especially when you're staying, you know, in the same state. Maybe they went out, maybe they exerted so much energy in that game, but still, it just was, Really weird. And obviously, Royce O'Neal, Edmund Sumner did not play in this one and two guys who played a big role last night. But it really didn't it just didn't feel like they had it tonight. You know, that obviously is the case with a team of this talent level and something that we've kind of experienced over the course of the last month. 
He had 17 assists compared to Orlando Magic's 30, where the Nets had 30 against the Miami Heat. So a lot of what went right against Miami went wrong against the Orlando Magic. It's sort of like a carbon copy of like the evil version, what happened tonight against the, the Magic. You know, They didn't take care of the ball either, 15 turnovers. So a, a lot of stuff went wrong and just a lot of missed shots, Nick. And look, I, I, I want to start with, we'll, we'll get into some of the good stuff, but was there any other like you know any other bright spots or any other bad things that sort of stuck out to you and other than just poor shooting was the how was the defense defense was bad you know I felt like I I mentioned they allowed Orlando to look really comfortable also Orlando did a nice job of pushing the pace and the Nets were caught lacking more than once in this game you know giving them easy opportunities to get to the rim we know they're a young team with a lot of you know long bodies and athleticism they were able to get to their spots early you know I think when you're going against a team like this you want to force them into half court sets you want to force them to really work offensively and the Nets just failed to do that and they, they, I mean, credit the Magic. They played better. They played harder, and they did what they needed to do. And the Nets didn't even do 75% of what they needed to do. And they really still had opportunities to come back in this game. Yeah, 21 fast break points to 10 in favor of the Orlando Magic and 58 points in the paint compared to the Nets only having 38. Now, sometimes that can be a bit noisy if the Nets are hitting their threes, but they certainly didn't do that tonight to make up for the lack of points in the paint. So those are two sort of indicators. But the Nets still had six more shooting possessions as well, Nick. You know, 91 field goal attempts compared to uh, the Orlando Magic's 85. Normally, that's you know meaning that they're getting the ball and they're getting some shots up, but... Yeah, when you're going 8 of 35 from 3 and 40.7% from the field, it's it's not going to work out too well at all. Yeah, and the Nets had 15 offensive rebounds, uh, 25 second point uh, second chance points. Like, that's a good stat. That's usually a pretty helpful thing. They've done a really nice job of rebounding the basketball offensively the last couple games, but still not enough when you just can't hit a shot offensively other than Mikael Bridges and really Cam Thomas. Let's get to both of those guys, then. We'll get to some of the good stuff. Mikael Bridges, another 40-piece for him. Nine out of his 20 games as he scored 30 points or more, which is a, a, a further evidence of his growing stardom within the NBA. 34 minutes, 13 and 22 from the field, 6 and 9 from 3, 12 of 12 from the free throw line, 6 boards, had an assist, had a steal, had a block, and two turnovers for his 44 points. And the stat that I really liked, and I remember doing some deep diving, I put it out on Twitter, he is top 10 in free throw attempts since joining the Nets. And after tonight, he might be climbing that list a little bit more. And he's one of only two players, him and Damian Lillard, to shoot 90% or higher at the line. And that is a key stat that we spoke about yesterday when it came to the, the stardom around the NBA, being able to get those easy shots. So lovely stuff from Mikael Bridges. Too bad it was uh, in a loss, in a pretty poor loss. Yeah, Eric Slater asked him after the game, you know, what's kind of led to his ability to get to the free throw line. He mentioned playing with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, learning some of the things that they've done, and also just having to defend some of the best players in the NBA, learning kind of the tricks of the trade and just how to get those free throws. And like you mentioned, especially when you hit him at a clip like he does, that's huge. And we saw some more of that off the dribble three. You know, that's something big. You know, pulling up from that distance is going to be huge for his game. So there's pieces here for him to take that next step. And obviously, if you drop, you know, two 40-point games and play defense the way that he does, it, it's pretty impressive. And it gives you some hope for this team. And at least, you know, you have one true building block moving forward with Mikel Bridges and his continued growth. And also the way that he kind of bounced back out of a slump. You know, he's had a poor shooting week or two and now he's back in the groove and he's looking confident and in that first quarter super aggressive and really kept that quarter close because of his ability to just get a bucket 
Yeah, what was it? Something like 17 of the Nets' first 19 points and then 19 of 21, and then it ended up being 19 of 25 of the Nets' 25 first points. And he's done this before as a Brooklyn Net, and he's just growing and flourishing. And, you know, the, the ceiling is the roof. You know, he's going to keep on growing. And that, as we alluded to, that three ball and the ability to get to the free throw line, the ability to create contact, you know, he's got a lot in his bag, and the bag continues to get deeper, which is nice to see. Yeah, and he has, uh, you know, the ability to kind of hit some tough shots. You know, he's a tough shot maker. You know, we talk about needing that, especially when you get into the postseason. His ability to drive baseline and just fade, you know, his ability to just kind of fade over anybody when he gets to the elbows too is huge because that's kind of a shot analytically teams are willing to give up, especially if they're contested the way they are. But Mikel's hitting them at a rate that it's good for the offense. Yeah, he's quite good balance. You know, yeah. really, really good balance for a guy that you know probably shouldn't given you know his proportions and his wingspan and such. But he just has really nice fluidity there. But you know, unfortunately, coming in a loss. But you know, nonetheless, this is probably the big sign that we want to see going forward. You know, a guy under a contract that is might be the friendliest in the NBA. The Nets are very lucky to have Mikael Bridges. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cam Thomas tonight, Nick, what did you see from him? A, a nice little breakout game for Cam after a, a few DMPs, if not, you know, very low minutes. So killer Cam was back. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to get the growing pains defense and some, you know, missed passing opportunities, but also he's going to shine in his ability to knock down shots, you know, and you saw later in the game, he was able to get in the paint, draw some uh, contact, get to the free throw line as well. You know, Cam's ob- ability to just knock down shots is huge. And, Again, he was a guy that was able to contribute enough offensively that gave the Nets some opportunities to hang around in this game. It was just that really, you know, you had those two guys produce and everyone else offensively was not able to do it. The next guy that in the scoring department was Cam Johnson, who dropped 10 points. So you get 44 from McKellen, 18 from Cam Thomas. It's just not really going to be enough with the way the other guys produce. 
Yeah, 62 out of the 106 points, you know, just putting the all those numbers together. It's just, it's not going to work out for a W. But Cam Thomas tonight, you know, the 18 points that he had was 7 of 16 from the field. Fortunately, didn't hit a three, but good to see him get to the free throw line, hitting all four of his free throws. Had a couple of rebounds, had a couple of dimes too. The three turnovers, but this was nice. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, he had an opportunity to play tonight, especially like we talked about, you know, Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Edmund Sumner all being out. Cam was going to get a chance to get into the rotation. And, you know, again, he he needed a little time to find his rhythm. But as soon as he did, you could just see his impact offensively. It's just the other parts of his game that he has to kind of take those strides forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized in the, the final seven games of the season, Nick. Do you have any predictions on, you know, inconsistent as it has of late? Where do you think his role is going to be in the final seven games for the Nets as they stand with the sixth seed? Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to predict Jock Vaughn's rotations. You know, we talked about that a little bit about Sumner and Utah, you know, being back in the rotation and now, you know, moving forward, is Cam going to get an opportunity? I'm not really sure. It doesn't seem like it. The Nets also asked him to really play point guard tonight, especially when Dewey went to the bench. That's a tough role for him, given his lack of NBA experience and lack of playing time over the course of the last month. So I think it's unknown at this point. Yeah, it really is. Predicting it is like predicting the weather in yeah. Melbourne. So I've said that before. I'll, I'll keep using that as my analogy. Nick, who was the third best player for the Nets tonight? I, I, I don't know. Who, who, who was it? Yeah, honestly, I really don't know because I don't think anyone else really played a good game. Nick Claxton showed up, you know, mid-third quarter and had some impact plays, but during that first half, wasn't very good. Mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith, not very good. Spencer Dewey, not very good. Cam Johnson, not very impactful after the night that he had last night. Daron Sharp, I think, showed some more flashes, but you saw a little bit more of the issues with his game defensively, but still was able to contribute on the boards with five offensive boards. Yeah, five offensive boards in only 15 minutes. It's, it's an impact that we know he can have. Also had the block and the steal. So he's doing some stuff defensively. I don't think, as you alluded to, he was as good as he was against Miami and and, and Sacramento and, and some of these teams where he's been showing some really nice signs on that end of the floor in terms of his just positioning, in terms of not fouling, all those different things. Because he did have the four fouls in the 15 minutes too to go with those eight points and, and six boards that we were talking about. So... I'm still enjoying this late season development from Dayron Sharp. It's 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 nice to see it and you know have to have and him surprising and, and surprising and in a good way. You know we like to be pleasantly surprised here and you know have our you know eat our eat our own words. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Dayron Sharp. I think we all have soft spot for for the guys that the Nets have drafted and Nick Claxton certainly does belong in in that department too because he had a nice little sort of you know run to the rim with that sort of posterizing dunk or semi sort of poster dunk and you know had the nine points at the nine boards two of them offensive did have the four blocks too. Yeah, there's he has had so many blocks. I think it was like oh, I think I did some research last time. Not not sure if I tweeted out like in 36 of maybe 37 now after tonight where he had four, uh, 37 games where he's had three blocks or more. Like that's pretty bloody crazy. Yeah, I mean he like I said he wasn't good for pretty much the first two and a half quarters, but midway through the third he started to have some impact plays. Like you mentioned, the poster, the blocks. It's just he looked like he didn't have the same juice that he had last night where he was just a defensive force. And that's going to happen. Obviously, he's still a slender guy, bang with a lot of big bodies, and he's been asked to do a lot for this Nets team in comparison to his recent roles. Yeah, and he's still performing above above and beyond. You know, the, 
here's the lesser games. It, it's what we sort of like judge the guys on. We've spoken about Mikael Bridges and some of his lesser games and the fact that he's still contributing. Nick Claxton and this being a lesser game for him. Still a fringe, you know, double-double. So those two guys I see as our two best players and our most consistent players this year, especially Nick Claxton with the availability and the consistency that he's shown defensively and offensively, the growth that he's shown there. But you know, Spencer had an absolute dud of a game, probably his worst as a Brooklyn net. Yeah, you know, yeah, probably one of the worst of his entire career as a Brooklyn, especially shooting wise, just was not able to knock anything down. You know, the shot diet wasn't great to start, took two deep threes, wasn't able to get many opportunities at the rim. You know, some of that's Orlando's size and the way they played him in the pick and roll. But we've talked about it before. You know, Spencer's asked to do a lot for this team. So if he plays poorly, it's pretty hard for them to win unless other guys are stepping up. But like we talked about, you know, one starter really had a good game and that's Mikel Bridges. And it was a great game. You know, Claxton was below average, and the other three starters I thought had bad games. Yeah, and you're not going to win games like that. It's yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, while a lot of the stuff we might say in the analysis we provide is repetitive, it's worth repeating because we go on a game by game analysis, and the same things keep happening, the same mistakes keep happening, the lack of execution that keeps happening, rotations, etc. Some of the things we're, we're enjoying to sort of repeat about, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Nick Claxton, and, and the, the moments from Daron Sharp and, and Cam Thomas. But ultimately, you know, if the Nets want to solidify that sixth seed, they need to get things going. And there's seven more games, Nick. And how are you feeling, I guess, overall in, the, in these final seven matchups about the Nets' prospects? Yeah, just one more note on the game. I think this is a good stat is Orlando had eight guys in double figures. The Nets had three. You know, that's just going to give you... Uh, a big difference in the just contributions across the board. And that's with Mikel having a really, really good game. But in terms of my confidence for the Nets over the, the next seven games, it's just really all over the place. I think, you know, we saw a performance as well as last night against Miami. And then we saw the performance today against Orlando. And some of that could be, you know, ba just bad shooting and lack of energy. But at the same time, it's just you, you don't really know what you're getting with this team game to game. And that's obviously very hard to predict. And guys are not, in perfect roles, there's not an off. You know, they didn't have a training camp. They didn't have an off season. They they don't necessarily have that next level of chemistry. And at times, it just feels like they can get put down early in a game, and you just don't feel like they have the juice to come back. Yeah, just some final notes on the schedule. Six of their seven games are at home. The only game that is away is against Detroit, so that doesn't seem too bad. The toughest teams the Nets do face are the Timberwolves and the Sixers in their final matchup. You know, will the Sixers rest a few guys if they have the second or third seed wrapped up? We'll have to wait and, and see. And Sixers is what, last game of the season? or Last game of the season, yep. yep. Um, but in, in, in saying that, Focus on the next one. Let's take care of business at home against the Houston Rockets and then move on to the Hawks, the Jazz, the Timberwolves. We, we'll, we'll dive deep maybe in a little bit more if we get a bit of time. But all that matters, Nick, is that next one. We put this one behind us and we move on to the Rockets and hopefully take care of business. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what game I'd compare it to, but it's like when you're pulling a card and you have no idea if it's going to be a positive or a negative. And that's kind of what it is for the Nets going into every game. You don't, you just don't know what to expect or what type of performance you're going to get and what the outcome is going to be. And, you know, it could be a game even like the Cavs where they played well enough to win and then they they fell in the last two minutes of the game. So it's really just very unpredictable. But any final thoughts for you, Jack? Yeah, like you alluded to, Nick, you know, it's almost like 50-50 what version yeah. of the Nets we can get. It's it's gambling. There's a, a sense of randomness and you know the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You can win the jackpot or you can be broke. That's, yeah. that's where we it feels like the the range is for the Nets right now. There's no but solid in between. Yeah, there isn't really. There isn't really. But hopefully, again, we get the wins on the board. We can solidify that sixth seed and we'll see what happens from there.
Yeah, exactly, Jack. Always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody. Listen, check the buzz on all streaming platforms. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.